Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast where my husband Trent and I watch movies that one or both of us have not seen. Hi Trent. Hi Betsy. So today we are continuing our Oscar Best Picture journey. We are on movie number six. Six. Number six. Six of eight. Uh, today we will be watching Mank. 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 With uh, Mr. Gary Oldman. Academy Award winner. Yes. Gary Oldman. Uh, so what do you know about this movie, Trent? Okay, so in Oscar nominations history, Betsy and I always joke about, well, the the movie that, so for like the, uh, what is it, costume design? Yeah. The Oscar for costume design, more often than not, goes to the movie with the most hoop skirts. It's the hoop skirt rule. Exactly. <laughs> and the one that I have kind of come up with is, well, we've we've come up with is, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Absolutely, they do. This is a movie about Hollywood, especially old Hollywood. Yes. So what I know about this movie, it was a guy with the, with the nickname Mank. I don't actually know what his full name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the screenwriter of the movie Citizen Kane. Now, back in the day, you know, movie writing and movie producing was very, very different than what it is now. Yep. You know, they were still in the transition from... Like silent films moving into the the talkies that were of the day. We're in the transition to what modern filmmaking is still oh, to yes. this day. Well, and Orson Welles, if he was nothing, he was uh, an innovator. He Dude was, was forward thinking. Yeah, I. So admittedly, I have only seen Citizen Kane one time. Same here. So one time I've seen this movie, and all I could think while I was watching it was, this movie. How did this movie get made? Yeah. When it got made, uh-huh. because it's very ahead of its time, the way it is filmed, yep. the way it is acted, the way it is edited. The sets, the acting, um, the amount of scenes. Yeah. It's a long movie. There's a lot of sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place over a very long period of time. There's a great makeup in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, hell, it, it, you, you could make that movie today and it would look just as good. Yeah. So this movie, Mank, um, obviously it's about the screenwriter who came up with this, so... It will be interesting to get some insight into that process. But from the trailer, it looks like he's a bit of a problematic figure. He's an alcoholic or something um, who gets one too many chances. Uh, I don't know anything else about this man. It is in its way a biopic. Um, Yeah, I I don't know what his actual name is. I don't know what this movie is particularly about. I know that they filmed it to look the way... Something like Citizen Kane looks. It's in black and white. Yeah. That's that's the other thing that I think the people in Hollywood really appreciate. Like, what was it? It was uh, The Artist. Yes. Back in, what, 2011? Give or take. Yeah, because that, <laughs> that was actually one of the first movies we went to see as a couple. Yeah. Uh, we went to see The Artist, and it was a uh, silent movie. Uh, a set probably before yes. this was. And it was shot very much in that vein. And it won Best Picture. Yes. So, hell, I, I don't really know. This year is really strange. Going into this, I'm not that excited about it. Yeah. I think just because of that. I've I, seen movies like this. I think it's going to be very stylistically interesting yeah. because they're doing it. Now, I've seen way more old movies than you have. Sure. So I'm probably going to pick up on that element a lot more and appreciate that element a lot more than yeah. you probably yeah, will. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, this is another David Fincher movie, uh, so he's 
an excellent, excellent director. Sure. We have seen many of his movies, uh-huh. so I think it will be very well directed. Obviously, his go-to musician, um, people who do the music, mm-hmm. composers, whatever word I'm looking for, <laughs> is Trent Reznor and yeah. Atticus Finch. They do all the music for him, and they have done for a decade. His name is Atticus, Atticus Finch? Wait, what is it? No, you Atticus. You said Atticus Finch. Oh, Atticus Ross. <laughs> Atticus Ross. Sorry, not Atticus Finch. Other Atticus. I got I get so caught up in the fact that his name is Trent Reznor and your name is Trent that I get distracted Hi. by everyone else. Yes. <laughs> but um, yes, they so I think it will be very interesting to hear what kind of music they do because of the style of movie this is. I think I'm it's used, going to evoke that era. Yes, I'm lot. used to them doing music for like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is really moody and dark and yeah. the show the social network. Um this is a very different sort of movie from those, at least on the surface. Yeah. So I'll be interested how that how that translates. Remind me, what was the movie about the the writer who was put on the blacklist? Trumbo. Trumbo. Yeah. Now I like that movie mm-hmm. mainly because of the the actor in it who who played Trumbo. Brian Cranston. Yes, Brian Cranston. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. And I think it got, I don't think it got nominated for Best Picture, but no. I think he got nominated for best, for best Lead Actor. Yes. Um, I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Um, I imagine it's going to be a little bit similar um, to, th- this movie is going to be a little bit similar to that one in that, hey, here's this guy who is maybe a little eccentric mm-hmm. that everybody in Hollywood knows him yep. and appreciates him maybe for other things. But yeah, it, it's it's probably going to be more in that vein than some of the other like classic movies that we've seen that were very serious about it. Yeah, I I have to imagine this movie isn't going to be all drama. No, I think, no. I think Based on the one humor. trailer I've seen, like the the little trailer that Netflix uh, shows you when you hover over it, yeah. was it looks a little bit more irreverent than you would maybe see out of a, out of a movie like this, mm-hmm. even made back in the day. Well, and the poster that they keep showing that I keep seeing is um, he's like on a table, like toasting. Yeah. And he's got his mouth. He's like cheering. I imagine there's going to be a lot of drinking in this I movie. I think they're probably drinking will and be. smoking. Yep. Yeah. 1930s debauchery in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I know. I don't. I don't really think I know a whole lot contextually. That's just all <laughs> it, assumptions uh, it, uh, I'm making. Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, the dude from. Game of Thrones, the father. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know his, the actor's the name. The Lannister. Yeah. Tywin. Yeah, I can't think of his name I don't, I don't know his name, but he's... Yep, he's in it, and I think, um, I want to say Pedro Pascal is in this, too. Okay. Maybe. I'm not 100%. I don't, 100%. Know. I, don't know. I know. I know. I know he's in it. But yeah, that's those are the only people I know in it, um, other than the lead. Mm-hmm. So, and he is he is nominated for Best Actor. Yes, he is. Um, I want to say Amanda Seyfried might she be nominated might, too. She might be for yes. best supporting. Yeah, best supporting actress. Yeah, so we'll yeah. verify that. But uh, yeah, yeah, so we're gonna go uh, watch this movie and see what gaps we can fill in on our knowledge because I don't think either of us knows much. So let's go find out. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
All right, we're back. So we just finished watching Mank. Initial thoughts. You know, I think it was exactly what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Okay. I think the way the way the movie was shot, the way everything was put together, the presentation, yes. if you will, uh, was really good. Absolutely. I, I, I love to look at it. Yes, I think this movie fundamentally is one made for people who love movies. Who love film. <laughs> who love film movies, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, the way it is shot, the sets, the sound, the yeah. audio in yeah. particular. The audio in general was uh, true to its uh, its origins. Yes, yeah, so I was just sitting here while we were getting set up, and I was on IMDb looking at the trivia, and it said it's a, a mono track, so yeah. basically all of the sounds everything. are on a single track. I had to up our sound system to be able to hear everything coming through one speaker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that is absolutely the old way of filmmaking, yeah. which is why filmmaking in those days, the sound is sort of all over the place. You hear uh-huh. footsteps really loud, right. but then like the voices will be really quiet, but then you hear the crackling of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't go so far as to add crackling to this, which I was no. kind of surprised, but did you notice they added the little pop yeah. On the film. So if you've ever watched old movies that were actually done on film, it's a physical medium. So every little uh, imperfection, every little piece of dirt, every grain. They also had the little burn marks up in yes. the upper right-hand corner. Exactly. That is explained in the excellent movie Fight Club. Is that also a David Fincher movie? That is also a David Fincher There movie. you go. <laughs> but yeah, so they would just periodically have up in the corner of the screen just a little burn mark a little hole a little imperfection in the quote film and if you've never had this explained to you or watched fight club that is an an indicator what well no you're gonna (laughs) you're you're mixing things so the little burn thing there's there's a little in fight club what they explain is it's an x yeah so it's an x and then another X, and that's to indicate that you need to change the reels of the film. Yes. This wasn't that. This was no. literally just a little burn mark, a little hole. It's just an imperfection in the film, which is really funny because this was filmed in 8K digital. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, another thing I just read was that there is no color version of this movie. It was completely filmed in yeah. mon- monochromatic 8K. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Um, and of course, the, the thing that I find a big word is incongruous is we're watching this movie on a big 4K TV right. with 5.1 surround sound. And it is crisp, uh, a, a crisp film print that mm-hmm. we are watching this on and a, and a crappy uh, mono sound oh, coming yeah. out of the speakers. I almost asked you should we put on subtitles because good god can i not understand anybody was that because it was the mono track or because of the way they were talking everything everything i I think it made it harder uh to it would have made it harder to understand if it was a modern day thing yep but because of the how how they were speaking it made it that much harder yes this is authentic 30s and 40s dialogue the way that people spoke and the way it was written um absolutely authentic to this era like the scene that i made a note about was when uh they're first at the mansion at the big house and they're having a big party 
and they're talking about politics. I love that scene. They were going <laughs> so fast yes. and jumping all over the place. It was almost to the point of being incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Like it's they so... were jumping between different people and different topics. Yes, all at the same time, mm-hmm. and that's parlor talk. Yeah, you know. And I made a note about like that was actually my favorite scene of the whole movie. I would say it was mine too, but it was almost. I almost got lost. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, they're, they're talking to I me. Mean, this is the, the 1930s, the late 1930s. Well, mid in that scene. It's like early Oh, yeah. Mid. Yeah, okay. So still, it's after World War II. No. Bef- I'm sorry. Uh, after before. World War One, before yeah. World War Two. In the Hit- Depression. Hitler is basically in power in Germany. On the rise. On the rise, sure. And they're talking about, oh, yeah, this. How, why, why would you ever take Hitler seriously? <clears throat> You know, he calls himself a socialist. That's not, not you know, they're, they're just, t- I, I, I love movies that depict how people talked about the current era. Yeah. What was going on in the, in that time. And news traveled differently in those days. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we got a, a, a freaking newsman in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess he's not really a newsman. He just owns the papers. So do you know much about William Randolph Hearst? I looked up some information about him. So... As a so he's he's known for uh, being this mogul of publishing and magazines and newspapers. He was kind of a sensationalist type of publisher. If if you remember your textbooks from school, he was basically one of these guys who got us into the Spanish American War. Really, yellow journalism. Okay. Yeah, that was him. I. I don't know much about the Spanish-American War, to be completely honest. <laughs> the, the short version is they printed stories to get the U.S. involved. Uh, uh, false stories. Gotcha. That got the U.S. involved in that conflict. Yep. Now, back in the early aughts, uh, he actually did run for office. He was a Democrat from California. He actually got in, into Congress. He served for two terms. In Mank's uh, little diatribe at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. he actually talked about that. He got into Congress, served two terms, and didn't sponsor one piece of legislation. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically him being a big shot, being a big rich guy, getting into Congress, and then doing nothing. He got power just to have power, not to do anything with it. Right. Well, yeah, I don't know a whole... I, I don't, frankly, know anything about William Randolph Hearst, um, except that that's... The whole crux of this movie is they're writing Citizen. He's writing Citizen Kane yeah. about him. Yeah. And anybody who knows anything about Citizen Kane knows that it's based on a real human person. Um, the The person who wrote this movie was Jack Fincher. You noted that at the beginning. Yep. That is David Fincher's father, wow, who okay. actually passed away in two thousand three. Oh. So this must have been something he had been working on for some years. Wow. Okay. And and they've produced it posthumously Mm -hmm. because I was like okay of course Jack Fincher is this his son is this his father who is it it is David Fincher's father wow um but yeah it says he passed away in 2003 and I think this got nominated for writing actually it's not so this film did not get nominated for screenwriting which um I'm kind of frankly surprised by but this one so far to date for uh, the ones we've watched has yeah. the most this is 10 nominations Real? Okay. and most of them technical um but yeah, i'm kind of surprised sense. that the writing didn't you know, a, a fall movie a movie about screenwriting doesn't get nominated for screenwriting is something uh odd right say. right but but yeah the dialogue was very authentic it was very snappy yeah 
Um, the way it was shot, the way it was acted, the mm -hmm. costumes, the makeup, like this is a spot on representation of this time. One thought I did have, because you had commented earlier about um, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. Yep. And they had some big hitters in this movie. So if you talk about the golden era of Hollywood, the mm -hmm. early days, mm -hmm. the Louis B. Mayers, the David O. Selznicks, um, those those and, big companies, those people are kind of in here. And I totally thought that you were going to just glom onto this movie and recognize all these different names that they were just rapid fire saying. In a lot of cases, yes. Yeah. And like they casually mention F. Scott Fitzgerald, right? Uh, as just what is what, what do they call him, Scott Fitzgerald or like yeah. F. Fitzgerald or something like that? Yep. Just casually, oh yeah, that guy. What the hell, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but you had said this is you know Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, and one of the thoughts I had was we're this is a movie that's supposed to have taken place ninety plus years ago, ninety yeah. years ago. Yeah. If you think about the oldest voting members of the Academy, they were alive or very, very young at this. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting movie that it got made at all because there's so few people left from this era who really understood it, who really appreciated it. This is an homage. This is a love letter yeah. to that era yeah. from people who weren't there for it. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting because... Like I said, the voting populace of the Academy Awards weren't alive. The no. majority of them were not around for no. this. And a lot of the, the movies that we've talked about, you know, Hollywood loving Hollywood, those were made in like the 50s and 60s, the yep. movies that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and like we, we mentioned The Artist last time. Yep. And there's a lot of people who look fondly upon, you know, the, the silent movies of that era and... They, they they want to um, pres preserve that in, in, any, in any way they can. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood as long as they can get authenticity out of it. Yeah. They don't want to embellish a whole lot of things. It's, it's typically some kind of a love, love letter. Yeah. Um, and they've been doing this forever. So um, Singing in the Rain was made in 1952, and... It is a musical about the dawn of talking pictures. Mm. And that was, you know, at that time, 20 years prior. Sure. But they were even doing it in the 50s. Yeah. And they've been doing it for 70 years. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it makes sense. You don't make movies unless you like movies. Yeah. And, get, and what are you going to make movies about? Movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for as far as uh, Mank is concerned, it was very well executed. So even, like, the title card. Oh, that was cool. The title card being, like... Uh, font r scrolling over camera footage of the sky. That's you could, very early. You could actually Hollywood. like sense or see the cards being dri yep. drug across the scanner or whatever you want to call it at at the very beginning for the title cards. That was cool. Yep, that nailed it. Uh, when they're they're depicting his car accident and they're very clearly in a car on a sound screen, yeah. like playing against an actual screen showing footage of them driving mm -hmm. and then the car rolls. Yeah. Um, just little touches like that. I think they just really nailed it. Also, what I what I wrote here was the the transitions mm -hmm. from scene to scene. Yeah. Where they kind they don't necessarily iris out, but they they, uh, fade they out. yeah, they kind of fade out, but they leave the lights. If there's a light on yeah. if there's a light on screen they leave the light on, and then that fades out afterwards. That was a great touch. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked the music in this. 
again, it was very, very authentic. Like, oh. I kept thinking, it, it kept reminding me of The Wizard of Oz. Okay. I don't know exactly what it is. Ex- other they than, mentioned The Wizard of Oz in this. Well, because I, again, I'm looking things up because uh-huh. I don't know a whole lot about this man. Herman Mankiewicz, uh, Mankiewicz was a contributing writer to The Wizard of Oz. Okay. I don't know to what extent, but yeah. he has a credit on IMDb for that. Um they said something to the effect of Wizard of Oz is going to bankrupt that studio because it costs right. so much money. Right. <laughs> um, they, so, yeah, and it makes sense because the movie takes place in 1940 when he is writing Citizen Kane. Yeah. The Wizard of Oz came out in 1939. Yeah. So that makes total sense that everyone would, would be talking about The Wizard of Oz. It mm-hmm. hadn't, like, really made a splash. Movies didn't come out and make $100 million in two days like they do now. Yeah. It was a slow, slow burn. It mm-hmm. took months for movies to make their money back yeah. now if you don't make your money back in the first two days you're a failure yeah. your movie fails mm-hmm. even if you somehow have a slow build and over the months become this classic movie and for a lot of reasons there uh, there's also a lot of other uh, revenue streams for movies that did not exist back in the day back in the day all you could get was uh the screen time mm-hmm. in later years you could get video rentals you could get um video cassettes out there you could get private screenings um but now you've got you know you got streaming you got dvds you got blu-rays you've got every, every everything digital on yep. demand there's so many different uh revenue streams out there that you might completely bomb at the box office mm-hmm. but then you get picked up afterwards right well and you know we could talk about this too this entire movie this movie yeah. is on Netflix. Yeah. This movie was paid for and produced and put on Netflix. Yeah. If this movie was just playing showing in the theater, this is the definition of an art house movie. Yeah. This is not a mainstream film. This mm-hmm. is not something that's going to go out and make millions of dollars in the box office. They would say in select theaters only. Right. I, I, as David Letterman used to say, I hope to God your city has been selected. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think it was a good movie. Uh, you you made a comment right after it finished. It's only a little over two hours. It felt like a long two hours. That was a long two hours. I said it's because not a lot really happens. It's just <laughs> kind of listless. Just not really knowing where it's gonna go, why it's going there. It wasn't really about his life, but no. a very short period of his life. Right. And I think they, they nailed, by the end of it, they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, basically, he's getting screwed around by the studios. And Hearst, basically, he's got the studios in his pocket. He's contributing money to it so that, I don't know, maybe he's got some kind of stake in the studios or something. So... Mank is getting screwed over by the studios. Nobody wants to work with him anymore. Maybe he's just washed up. He's an as old he, drunk. As he even says, I'm I'm washed up. But I think he just takes that as an inspiration to say, you know what? This guy, he's not all that great. He's got a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's got a lot of power. He's just nobody. That's a man who wrote a piece based on a vendetta. Yeah. Even though he doesn't even really hate the man. No. He just doesn't. Oh, think... He just wants to bring him down a peg. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of the, of Citizen Kane. Yep. You know. Yeah. And I remember very little about Citizen Kane. I watched it 
because I was very curious about it. After all of the references in The Simpsons, I had to go and see it for myself. The same thing with The Godfather, but I haven't seen The Godfather yet. We'll get to that eventually. But uh, for this one, I, I had to wa sit down and watch it. And I like Citizen Kane. I think it was way, way ahead of its time uh, for what it was. I think Orson Welles, I, I, I should probably look up more of his stuff because mm -hmm. dude seemed like a straight up genius for his time. The, the a creative they, genius. A wunderkind. Yeah. And they keep talking. He's like 20 years old in this. 24. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he at this point, he had already done War of the Worlds. Yeah. And are you familiar with that story yes. about what happened with that? Yeah. So for the listeners out there who aren't familiar with this, in the mid-30s, Orson Welles had a radio show in New Jersey, and he produced a version of The War of the Worlds. He did a radio play. And because it was so well done and so convincing, people who were listening genuinely thought the world was being invaded by aliens. It was causing a tremendous uproar and panic until they had to like put out a press release saying this is a radio show guys <laughs> this is fake thank you i'm glad you found it believable mm -hmm. but it's, it's not like real. in 2021 somebody put out a funny meme that people thought was really serious yep yeah yeah so he had already done that and then you know obviously hollywood came and knock in yeah. and they gave him a lot of they freedom threw everything at him all Here's the money all the money in the world we Creative want, control. We want you to do exactly what you want with who you want with whatever uh, budget you want, basically. Yep, your collaborators, your money, RKO Studios will foot the bill. Yep. Yeah, and that's another one of those RKO just kind of once upon a time was this big studio, yeah. and then it vanished. Yeah. And it vanished. Um, but yeah, Orson Welles uh, was married to Rita Hayworth. Uh-huh. Did you know that? I just looked it up a you little bit. You just looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Um, yeah, to talk, go back to the studios things for a second. So they touched on a few of them. So they talked about RKO. They talked about Warner Brothers. They talked about uh, Paramount. MGM, Paramount. And MGM. Uh, Universal was mentioned once. Universal. Okay, they didn't. maybe they didn't say Paramount, but they did say Universal. At the very beginning, he's at Paramount. Okay. Cool. Um, but MGM, so Louis B. Mayer and MGM, yeah. Louis B. Mayer was not a man to be fucked with. Like yeah. that dude, I, I've never read like a biography, but I've just heard mention of him as a man and he was a behemoth in that industry. Hmm. Okay. And it's very interesting to me now because MGM, what they were in the thirties, they were the biggest movie studio yeah. in Hollywood. MGM now, guys is is the the beginning with with the line. He, yes. he actually mentions they the line. They have one celebrity, yeah, and it's the line. Yeah, we have one Hollywood star. Yeah, but MGM now they have one property. Do you know what the property of MGM? James Bond. Correct. They own exactly one thing, yeah. and they will never sell it. And that is the one thing keeping their doors open. Yeah, is that MGM owns the rights to James Bond. And I don't know if that is just in perpetuity. If they got that early enough on that, say, oh, this contract is a really, really good deal. Mm -hmm. We don't need to make anything else. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think they were just smart enough to hang on to something as they were getting sure. rid of stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or they just lucked out. I right. don't know. I mean, if, if they were getting rid of things, I mean, the, these days, intellectual property is the 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 the, the gold. Yeah. Like, you have to hold on to your uh, to your IP. Otherwise, you have nothing. Yeah. Because, hey, these days, everything gets a sequel. 
Mm-hmm. All of the successful movies out there that you think about, they're going to get a sequel. Yeah. Because money. Money. They don't care about, you know, the most studios, let's say. Most studios, they don't care about putting out good work or uh, putting out a an important film. No, they just want to see the dollars and cents. Which, right. hey, they're a business. I get that. Right. Which is actually, in the case of Mank, good for them to be on Netflix because Netflix is doing what RKO did to Orson Welles. We will foot the bill. You make whatever you want. Yeah. Because and they David do that. Fincher got to yeah. make this movie his dad wrote. Yeah. And, and Netflix has done that with a lot of other movies. Yeah. And would this movie have seen the light of day if it were not for them backing Who knows? the product? Who knows? Who knows? But, well, the same thing about... Um, the Scorsese movie from last year. Oh, the, uh, the Irishman. Irishman. That movie would not have been made f- with, with studio money. Mm-hmm. That was a, what was it, three and a half hour? Oh, God, you was so long. It was so long. Now, I didn't like I, the Irishman. <laughs> I liked the Irishman better than Betsy did. I just didn't see the point of the Irishman. <laughs> I never want to revisit it. Like some movies I will be like, okay, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe I was too young and I was un- misunderstanding it. Then when I was 35 years it, old, I don't think I need to see it, it again. It did not respect your time. No. I'll say that much. I, I just saw a bunch of guys who had photoshopped faces to look oh. younger who moved like 75-year-old men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it bothered me. I'm off topic, but it bothered me immensely. <laughs> a year later, I'm still bothered. My point is, that movie would not have been made and released no. a, 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 as a normal uh, kind of a movie to p- put out in theaters and get get your popcorn and go see The Irishman from Marty Scorsese. No. 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 Nobody's going to go to that. A three and a half hour love letter to the mob. <laughs> right. It wasn't even that good. Yeah. Dude needs an editor. We, You know, we actually appreciate Martin Scorsese in this house. Sure. But, you know, sometimes that, your that vision one, needs to be mm, raked in just a little bit. Just a mm. little bit. And, you know, I'll say this. Good for him for being able to get the gang back together, in, in a matter of speaking. <laughs> um, getting all those guys back together again for one last big hurrah. Good for them. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they, they put it out. I'm glad it came together mm-hmm. in however however well it did. But we're not talking about the Irishman today. We're talking about Mank. Yeah. Um, another... Another little detail I noticed, and I would be curious, because I am unfamiliar with Citizen Kane, I don't know all of the beats. I know a few things, um, but I would be interested if I had seen this movie many times, how many little winks there are to Citizen Kane in this. I caught one, and it's the first scene, and I don't even know exactly what he's drinking. He's got the case full of little bottles. Yeah. And I think it's like a sedative. It's some kind of drug. I'm not 100%, but it knocks him the hell out. And the first time, he's got it in his hand, Uh and it rolls out of his hand, Uh and it hits the floor. Which, if anybody knows anything about Citizen Kane, the opening shot is he drops the snow globe. Yes. (laughs) You know? So that was very, that was very, very obviously a wink to the film Citizen Kane. I, as a one-time viewer of that film, don't know how many more there were. But I have I to think, imagine it was littered with them. I, I don't think it was like all that explicit. I think it was mainly how things were shot. 
Yeah. It's like the light coming in from the windows. Right. It, it's those homages and how it was filmed, I, I think, is what, what they were really going for here. Well, the bottle was absolutely a wink. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> Duh. Um, this was another movie that was riddled with British actors playing <laughs> Americans. And yep. there was actually one British actor playing British, and that was Lily Collins. Yeah. Daughter of Phil Collins. Why did I need to know that? <laughs> because if you need to know anything about Lily Collins, it is who her father is. <laughs> I don't know. She's I'm shaking up, my head. She's an up-and-comer in her own right. It's just a fun I've heard nugget. The, yeah, I've heard the name. I yeah. just don't know why I need to hear her name more. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, Charles Dance yeah. from, from Game of Game Thrones. Of Thrones. Yeah. Obviously, Gary Oldman, yep. the woman who played Gary Oldman's wife, I have actually seen in like BBC dramas before, so she is also British. Amanda Seyfried? No, no. Uh, oh, Gary Oldman's, Gary Oldman's wife, okay, okay, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's also. Uh, no, Amanda Seyfried's an American. <laughs> yes, very much so. Yes. Yeah, she was pretty good in this. Yeah, I, I liked her accent. I think she was believable. Her New York Bronx. Yeah, Brooklyn. Thing. Her Bro- Bronx. Bronx? She was from the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I looked it up. So she wasn't his wife. She wasn't William Randall Hurst's wife. She was his mistress. But they were, like, uh, together for, like, 20-plus years. Hmm. They were together a very long time. So, honestly, that probably answers your question as to why he is involved in the studios. Because he is dating and he is living with an actress. Right, and, and the way he is introduced, he is on set at her movie. Yeah. He's on that, that freaking cart, the, the camera cart, uh, watching the horses go by. Making a movie. Making a movie. Yeah. So... On his property, it would it, it would seem probably, yeah. yeah his property that is a freaking zoo. When you got a lot of money, why not put in a zoo yeah. and a garden and a fountain <laughs> and a gazebo with elephants and monkeys everywhere and giraffes. <laughs> I didn't see any giraffes. Yeah, they no, you saw the giraffes. They they pointed them out. They were like, "There's something about long necks," and then they ran away. I did. I was not paying attention. Oh, you looked away. They were there. Speaking of not paying attention. <laughs> I did get a little bored. I, a little bit. I was having a little heart. I was getting a little tired. Keeping my attention, keeping my attention um, is not hard in movies. I like talky movies, but I think it took a, a, enough out of me, enough effort to uh, to really pay attention to what's going on that I just kind of lost it mm-hmm. halfway through. Not, again, not that anything was bad. I just... It just could not keep my attention fully and the they, whole way through. They were hopping back and forth in time, but they were doing it really effectively. Like they were saying, interior, this place, 1934, flashback. They did it as if as if it were a script. Yes. So they were giving that to you so you could follow along. And there was really only one part of the movie where they stopped doing that. And it's when he showed up drunk and they were kind of hopping yeah. back and forth between that yeah. scene where he's ranting and then yeah. him in the present day writing a script. Yeah, and those were the, basically the last two scenes yeah. in the movie, which you could get. Yeah. Yeah, you, you as a viewer, you know what's going on. By that by that point you knew. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of plot in this. <laughs> no. It's more a character study if it's anything. It's this drunk middle-aged man and here he is slightly younger in the golden age of Hollywood and talking to all these big studio execs and yeah. actors and famous people that you've probably heard in passing at least. I I think in like the the room where He's doing his, his bets with the coin. Yep. Um, I think I recognize one name in that room. 
I knew a few of those names, but I have no idea why. <laughs> David O. Sells David O. Selznick is the only name when they all left to go and see him. Yeah. Uh, I think he directed Gone with the Wind. I'm pretty sure. So, yes, David O. Selznick is one of those directors of that era. He was the David Fincher of his era. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a just comparison or not. <laughs> yeah. um, a few more uh, notes here that I took. Uh, so it, it's important to really point out the era in which this was made. Um, or that, that it takes place. This is Depression era Hollywood. And the reason why they're having so much difficulty with getting people to come out to the movies is because of the economic conditions. Mm -hmm. And what I've always, when Betsy and I have talked about this, what I always say, when there is an economic downturn, the first thing that people stop spending money on is entertainment. I wouldn't know anything about that in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody in the in, just, in the United States or anywhere else in the world is fam familiar with that concept in the Not year 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I get where the studios are coming from. You got to get people back in the, in the, into the theaters to part with their hard-earned 25 cents, as, yep. as they say. Um, in those days, it was less than that. It was like a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> a dime. <laughs> Which, I mean, they made a scene there where um, uh, Mayer goes up to their the, the, the grips and the, the tech guys. and The whole studio, so to speak. Yeah, all the people except for the talent. Mm -hmm. the, the people who actually make the movies but are not uh, in the movies. But goes up to him and says, yeah, we're going to have to cut your salaries by half. For the next eight weeks. But we'll pay you back. And then he, like, sheds a tear. And then he's upset. How'd I do? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you, Big you, phony. Yeah, and and he never does pay them back. Oh yeah, they touch on that later, and he's yeah. like, oh, they didn't. He never made good on that. Yeah, yeah about mm. that. Why would yeah. he? And he gets a standing ovation from the crowd as he leaves. Mm -hmm. Ah, phonies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's important to, to point out that yeah, I mean, trying to get a hit, trying to get somebody to go out to a theater when nobody has any money, that's tough. Mm -hmm. And when, when it is a literal depression, things are bad everywhere. Yep. And, and they touch on the politics of the day. They're in California. There is a, a, a gubernatorial election. And they're, they're touching on it for a good chunk of the, the last half of the movie where there was a, a Republican running and the studio head, Mayor, was very much supporting them. And the studio itself was pressuring all of the employees of the studio to contribute to said campaign. So they could say, we have a hundred percent of the studio yeah. backing this candidate. Yeah. And this is of course when the screenwriters guild was being formed. Yep. And these days that would be a huge no, no. Mm hmm. So they were also very political back then. Like everybody always talks about, Oh, Hollywood shouldn't be political. It's like, it's always been political. <laughs> like they, they turn around. Ronald Reagan was yeah. the head of the Actors Guild. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on Wikipedia and they have this neat little thing where when you look up the gubernatorial race of 1934 and I and they, there's a little arrow there that goes from, from next to next to next to next. Yeah. And you, I could see who all is. Hey guys, if you follow politics, California is, has not been... Uh, a quote-unquote democratic or liberal state forever 
Yeah. They've had lots and lots of Republican and conservative governors. Yeah. Over time, it, it has become more liberal. Right. Over the years. But it, it was not that. In, no. in our lifetimes, there have been plenty of Republican governors. Okay, well, and then, of course, the candidate they're talking about here is Upton Sinclair, which, if that name didn't ring a bell, he wrote the short story, Oil, which is the, what became There Will Be Blood. I did not know that. Yeah, he wrote that, and amongst other stories. But I think that's kind of what they're they're referencing in this movie they say something about they want to hand over the industry to california and they say something about oil yeah so i'm like i think that might be the story they're talking about i don't know his oeuvre as it were um that's he bringing out the french (laughs) 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 um but yes i can see the look on your face so i know what you want to ask me about so who played that guy betsy why was Bill Nye the science guy? Inexplicably, <laughs> a cameo appearance by Bill Nye. As Upton Sinclair. As Upton Sinclair, I, the, 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 the democratic socialist of his day. Yeah, I was sitting here and I'm like, they don't show his face first. They, they're at a rally that's like across the street. And I hear him talking, I was like, I know this voice. And they're filming him from behind. You don't yes. see his face. No, I was like, I know this voice. I know this. And then they show this tall, gangly dude. I was like, why is Bill Nye the science <laughs> guy in this movie as a democratic socialist? Yeah. And I looked I looked up a little bit about him. Apparently, there was a part. Like, it was basically about Upton a, Sinclair? Yeah. Yeah, he was, a, he was a part of a socialist party uh, back in the day when b- before that became a faux pas. Oh yeah, especially this is, around Hollywood. This is twenty years before we get to what you touched on earlier with Trumbo. With, with Trumbo blacklist, is yeah. blacklisted because of the the possibility of being involved. He just didn't even care. No, like go see Trumbo. It's a good movie, but he gets blacklisted because he's like, why should we care about socialism and communism and all that stuff? Yeah. And twenty years prior, in the thirties. It's kind of like a thing that people are okay with. Right. They're <laughs> he, open they're open to other options. He was which running is for why, governor. Yeah, which is why even in this particular race, there were three candidates. Yeah. It was the Republican, the Democrat, who used to be a socialist, and another dude. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, it was the uh, pro, uh, a progressive party. Mm-hmm. So the, the liberal quote-unquote vote got split. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Republican who actually won got like 48% of the vote. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I don't know why Bill Nye was there. I personally found it a little distracting because, of course, I just go, ah, Bill Nye. Um, right. Yeah, I I think this movie was fine. Like, yeah. I don't know that I, I didn't dislike it. Overall, I think it was just fine, though. Yeah. I think David Fincher has made some really excellent movies. I wouldn't necessarily put this one near the top Mm -hmm. um i thought gary oldman was very very good in this movie um again for being a brit playing an american he holds on to it yeah um i thought amanda seafried was really good uh which you know she doesn't have like a whole lot of like major movies to her credit to date that's all right yeah any other parting thoughts um, I wanted to say, um, the guy who plays Orson Welles yes. sounds just like him. Yeah. He's putting on a really good Orson Welles voice. Yeah, I don't He's know, I don't know where I got Pedro Pascal, but I wonder if no. just that side shot Could be. at the beginning With made the me beard. think that's who it was. Yeah, um, yeah no, that guy, um, 
that guy did did a good job. Like that, there is a running joke I think in Hollywood of people doing Orson Welles impressions. Yeah. Um, somewhere in in here there was some mention of Maurice Lamarche because of course there is. Of course. Um, where he was like reading the he was reading all of the lines in his Orson Welles impression for the actor in this movie so he could get a feel for how to do it as Orson Welles. Are you shitting me? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I don't know, like right at the very end of the movie, they had an audio clip um, after the Academy Awards where they won. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would like to know if that was real. I think that would might have been that real. That one might have been real. Yeah. But that just goes to show, show you. Because they don't show any kind of video. Mm-hmm. It's just audio. But just that just goes to show you that if I'm not sure if that was real or yeah. fake, that yeah. guy did a really good job. I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Orson um, Welles is a very distinct character in Hollywood, yeah. and you once you've heard his voice, it is unforgettable. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, but yeah, I think I think the movie was good. I didn't hate it. Um, would I watch it again? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe after, if if I was interested in in learning more about old Hollywood and the old writers, like the the, the formation of the Writers Guild and the old studios. If I was interested in, in more of that, this would be a great study on that. Yeah, I think if I were going to watch it again, I would watch Citizen Kane first. Totally. I would watch Citizen Kane, then go watch this movie, and see the things I missed. This makes me want to go and watch Citizen Kane. Yes. Yeah. Which, I don't know what what that says about this movie or what it says about Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. but they're both good in their rights. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's Mank. So there you have it. So uh, we've seen now six of the eight Best Picture nominees. We've got two more yet to go here. So we still have to see Minari and Judas and the Black Messiah. I was like, what's the other one? (laughs) I always take a long time to commit those all to memory. It's not that many movies, Betsy. Come on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so we've got a couple more of those to go. And then the Academy Awards are April 25th, so we should have these all out uh, in advance of that. Yeah. And the, the the current plan is that, we're, uh, like Betsy said, we're going to have all these out uh, before Sunday, of the, the Sunday of the Oscars. On that Sunday, we're actually going to put up uh, a special episode uh, where we talk about all the movies put together. Okay. What that's going to contain, I don't actually know yet. We're going to talk about it, yeah. and uh, we'll let you know. Oh, but, and I, uh, didn't, I didn't actually touch on that. Before Before we completely part, I'll give you the rundown of what this is up for, because it's always nice to know that. So like I said, this has 10, 10 nominations. Okay. Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Best Sound, Best Production Design, Music for Motion Picture Original Score, Achievement in makeup and hairstyling, costume design, and cinematography. It's a lot of technical awards for yeah. this one. But Which, yeah. hey, a lot of the technical stuff, I would say, yeah, sure. Acting, I think Amanda Seyfried was good. Yeah. I think Gary Oldman was good. Yeah. Not, didn't blow my mind like a couple of the other guys we've already seen. So... I yeah. would have given him an Oscar for other movies, but yeah. <laughs> he didn't even he get nominated got, for it. He, he got, got his one. Actor. He's got it. Uh, actor. His actor. His actor. His actor. His actor. Actor for acting. But in the meantime, as we always say, we have yet to actually receive an email or a tweet or anything from you people. Are you actually out there? Are you? Li- I know you're listening. I can see the stats, guys. 
Um, yeah. Send us something. I don't care what it is. Maybe. Tell us how you horribly disagree and that The Irishman is an incredible film and that I am wrong. And, and it should have been five I'll, hours long. I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I won't fight you. We appreciate you all taking the time to get this far and listening to us. Yes, indeed. But, but yeah, um, if you want to tell us some movies you think we should watch based on these, you know, maybe we've seen them, maybe we haven't. Yeah. Or you want to start a conversation about about something we missed like some detail in these movies? Yeah. Tell us. Point we, it out to us. We are open for a uh, post-mortem on, on this series and, and, and others because, hey, as soon as we're done with, uh, with the Oscars, uh, we're moving on. It's we're, a we're, world of movies available we, to we us. Are, we are in a deep dive of our movie collection right now just to see what we have and what we haven't seen yet. It's a lot, guys. Um, we're in for a ride <laughs> yeah this is not ending anytime soon so buckle up uh but as i said in the meantime please email us please never seen it pod at gmail.com or follow us on twitter tweet at us at never seen it underscore pod on twitter on the twitter so there you have it mank one more for the books so we'll uh be back in another few days not sure which one we'll watch yet next but when we do, we'll let you know. So, as always, I've been Betsy. And I'm in Trent. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. I've never seen it.